I, I could not believe the hand of God and what God was doing in that place. Do you realize that when we had the altar call, when we had the altar call, we had to go and take people down hallways, take people in rooms and deal with people three at a time because there were so many people coming to get saved, we didn't have enough altar workers for them. Listen, God is moving in that place, and I appreciate the ministry. I appreciate what God is doing. And uh, listen, uh, this, this is just the beginning, Tony. God's got great plans from here on out, and I appreciate what you're doing. Thank God to see them back, and Christine and everybody come down. Uh, uh, did, did Julio have to go back early? Is that what? So now you're the senior pastor. You make him go home early to go to work, huh? Is that how that works? Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I thank God. I thank God for everything that he's doing and what he's going to do. Uh, uh, look, I, I want you to know God's got a plan for everybody. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter. God's got a purpose and a plan for you. Amen? Let's look in, in Exodus chapter 19 first, and then we will go over and uh, read. Keep your finger over there in First Peter. But let me read just a couple verses out of Exodus, and, and I'll let you sit down. If you're in Exodus 19, 1, say amen. amen. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. Now listen, this is after, uh, after the rescue. This is after the deliverance out of Egypt. This, this group of people... This Israelite nation, uh, uh, this group of Hebrews that God came down and chose and, 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 and seen, he brought them out, delivered them out of Egypt. Now he's at Mount Sinai. And then Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, here it is, verse 6. Are you watching? Say amen. amen. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. He told them what he had done. He told him of his provision and how he delivered them and brought them out on eagle's wings. He showed all the miracles and everything that he had done for them. And when he brought them to Mount Sinai, he said, Now this is why I did it. This is the purpose. This is, this is the calling. This is what I want out of you. He said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. I want you to be a holy nation. I want you to be a special people. You are mine and mine alone, and you have a divine purpose in this world. You are to be a lighthouse and a testimony and ambassador to all the rest of the world. All the world is mine, but I am calling you. I am commissioning you. I am appointing you. I am pulling you out from where you were so you could tell the whole world who I am. They're calling. But we know by studying the word, they forgot it. And then they forsook it. And the calling was taken from them. Now, we read in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. Verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Are you there? Say amen. amen. But ye are a chosen. Now he's talking to the church now. Are you all with me? 
before we were addressing the nation of Israel, now we are addressing the church. God is saying, but ye, the church. Now, when I'm talking to church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about these facilities. I'm not talking about this property. I'm talking about you. We need to quit going to church and start being the church. We are the church. You, we, we together, we're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We are the church. Now, listen to what God says about you. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, peculiar people, amen, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad? Say amen. Pop, won't you lead us in prayer and ask God to anoint the message today? Get a hold of God now. Ask him to touch us and help us. Oh, Jesus, help us. God, meet our need. Yes, Lord. Meet our needs. Yes, Lord. Help us, Lord. Amen. And all God's people said. I want you to understand something this morning. God never, ever does something on accident. God never does something just for the sake of doing it. Well, I didn't have nothing else to do today. God never does anything that way. It's always planned. It's always, listen, it's always appointed. He has got a divine purpose. He has got a divine plan, and he is working it out. Say amen. amen. Listen, I, the, the children of Israel had a purpose. God called them out. God did a miracle. God, matter of fact, God did many miracles in that situation and called them out. God had a purpose. Say that with me. God had a purpose. A purpose. So many people today... In the Christian walk, so many people in the Christian life are living without purpose. This whole month, I want to talk about that subject. This whole month, we're going to develop that and, and talk about that and preach about that, about living with purpose, about fulfilling the divine purpose that God has for your life. Everybody is looking for purpose. Uh, in, in 1777, George Washington, he had a ragtag army of militiamen who suffered two defeats at the hands of the British at Brandywine in Germantown. He and his 11,000 men retreated to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania to establish winter headquarters. 
It was a dark time for the revolution. Many died of starvation or cold. Uh, listen, never more, never more was there a half of the force was in any kind of shape to battle at one time. Many deserted the cause because the stress and suffering was too great, but thousands hung on. They stayed in there despite frozen bodies, starvation, sickness, and bone-biting cold because they had a goal, a purpose for being there that was more important to them than personal comfort or even safety. It was their purpose that gave them the stickum. It was their purpose that kept them where they wanted to be, even when they didn't feel like it, even when they were sick, even when they were cold, even when they were dying, even when they were starving, their purpose kept them where they're supposed to be. Well... It was a little different. It was a little different. Listen, in, in February, when they began to regroup, they pursued the British all the way across New Jersey. And listen, and we know we won the war. But contrast that with Vietnam. Never in the history of American armed forces had there been so much suicide, drug abuse, fighting amongst our own troops, and a total lack of morale. Never in our history has there ever been a conflict from which our men came back so troubled and broken. Uh, some of the old-timers say we didn't do that in World War II. What's wrong with this generation of soldiers? America is just the beginning. Listen, we are just catching on to what the difference was. We knew why we were at Valley Forge. We knew why we hit the beaches at Normandy and struggled to raise the flag at Iwo Jima, but there was simply no clear understanding of our purpose in Vietnam. We weren't there to win. We were there to get shot at, and that is the understanding of many who were there. You talk to many. I've got an uncle that was there, and, and, and he don't even like talking about it because in his mind, in his heart, he said we had no purpose. We were just there. There was no divide. Listen, there was no end to what we were doing. There was no purpose. There was a purpose in World War II. There was a purpose in World War I. There was a purpose in the Revolutionary War. There was a purpose. They stayed. We had the morale because we knew our purpose. We knew our purpose. Paul, the Apostle Paul was able to endure incredible odds, incredible things that were brought against him, the pressure in his life because he had a purpose. He was bringing the message to as many as possible. He said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to those that are in Rome. I'm ready. I'm ready. He had a purpose and he was able to endure what he went through because of his purpose. Now the question is for us, do you have a sense of mission in your life? Do you have a sense of purpose and mission? Do you have a, a sense of purpose that goes beyond just making a living? A sense of a God-called role to play. Do you see yourself uh, doing what you're doing for God? Do you see yourself fulfilling a purpose, a divine, uh, listen, mandate that God has given you? Or are we going through life paying bills? Are we going through life existing? Are we going through life trying to just survive? Till Jesus comes. What a miserable way to live. You say, oh, this is free. You're just trying to get us to work in the church. No, nope. no. Nope. Listen, it goes even beyond that. It goes way beyond that. Do you realize this world is searching for purpose? Even lost people are searching for purpose. So how do you know? There was a book written by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. The Purpose Driven Life. I've never read it. Uh, apparently I'm the only one that's never read it. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not critiquing. I'm probably going to read it. I just hadn't had a chance to do it. Uh, had other things going on, but, uh, there has many that's read it and loved it. Uh, uh, listen, this book has been on the New York bestseller list, uh, for advice books for one of the longest periods in history while also becoming arguably one of the best-selling nonfiction books of all time. 
topping the Wall Street Journal bestseller charts as well as Publisher Weekly charts with over 25 million copies sold worldwide. The Purpose Driven Life is the best-selling hardback book in American history. The best-selling hardback book in American history. The book offers uh, readers a 40-day personal spiritual journey and presents what Warren says are God's five purposes for human life on earth. What are you trying to do, promote the book? No, I'm trying to get you to understand that people are searching for purpose. Why am I here? You go look at the bookshelves. Uh, Listen, people are writing books. Why on earth are we here? What is God's purpose? Why am I living? Why did God make me? Why am I here? What am I doing? Am I just going through the routine? Am I just going through this? Am I just... Why am I here? We kind of feel like... We kind of feel like uh, 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 Solomon... Solomon in in all his glory, Solomon in all his fame, Solomon in all his fortune. He said, I'm going to find God without it. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's his search. It's It's his quest to find peace and joy and happiness. He said, I've looked at all the labor of man under the sun, and it's vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He said, it's left me empty. It has not satisfied me. It has not fulfilled me. I find no purpose in everything that this world has to offer, and I'm here to tell you, he is right on, right on, because in the last verse, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Preacher, what are you saying? You will not find purpose on this earth. You will not find purpose in fortune. You will not find purpose in fame. You'll only find it doing the will of God. Purpose. Real purpose. Doing what you're doing. Having satisfaction. Finding that in what you do. Listen, we've got so many frustrated Christians. And I'm not beating up on nobody. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help our people find fulfillment. I mean, that sense of satisfaction. One of the hardest things in the ministry is you never really see a finished product. You never really do. We're we're always evolving. We're always uh, growing. And and wherever we get here, we need to be here. And we get there, we need to be there. And we we, we keep going and growing. And that's fine. Sometimes uh, one of the the enjoyments I get is helping uh, these guys up here go paint sometimes because I can look back and see a finished product. You know, you can look back and, and get a sense of satisfaction from that, a small sense. But what about in real life? With everything, with your life in general, are you finding purpose? Are you being fulfilled? Now, answer it honestly. Don't tell no lie because you know down deep in your heart. Are you fulfilled? I mean, are you, are you waking up in the morning excited about what's going on? Abraham Maslow said this, without exception, without exception, I have found that every person who was sincerely happy, radiantly alive, was living for a purpose or a cause beyond himself. Beyond himself. What's your purpose? What purpose are you living? Well, what purpose is there? Man, I'm glad you asked because I came to tell you. You're a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Duh. You have been called to show forth. The word show forth is to advertise, to go out. The praises of him who hath called you. Church, say amen. I shortened it this morning. And by the way, I didn't go eat guacamole last week. It was a, what did I get? 
a fajita? Is that thing that comes sizzling? That's what I got. I don't like guacamole. I don't know why I said guacamole. Say amen. And the Lord punished me because I burnt my finger on the plate you're not supposed to touch. Amen. We'll go for something else today. Amen. I got two points I want to share with you. Just two things. And, and, and I want you to pray. And, and before, we, before we begin, I want you to ask God, God, open my heart. Open my heart. This whole month, we're going to be talking about this this whole month, but God, open my heart to truth. Open my heart to see what's really there. Lord, what do I need? How many of y'all want to be happy? Now, I'm talking about sure enough, get down, stomp down, deliriously happy. This is the only way we're going to find it. It's not going to be in, in, in getting things because cars rust, don't they? Dogs die, don't they? And go to heaven. Amen. We're going to find happiness and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, where can I find purpose? Where can I find purpose? Two things I want you to realize. Two things, two truths I want you to realize this morning that will help us find purpose in our life. First thing we need to realize, the first thing we need to see and realize and understand, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. You need to understand the office you hold. You need to understand the office you hold. One, one, one thing that you see in a lot of corporations and a lot of companies is, uh, is they always want you to write out a purpose statement. Anytime, anytime that you, uh, uh, somebody comes in and counsels, some, somebody comes in and, and, and wants to encourage the company and bless the company, and, 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 and they say, you've got to have a purpose statement. You say, why do you got to have a purpose statement? Because you need to know why you're there. You need to know why you're in that company. What is the aim of the company? What is the goal of the company? You say, why should you know that? Because you're not going to know if you're hitting it unless you know what it is. I need a witness. If you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you're going to hit. So you, they want you to write a purpose statement. This is our purpose. This is our reason for being here. This is why we are fighting. And boy, wouldn't that have been great in Vietnam? This is why we're here. This is our purpose for here. This is why we're standing. This is why we're fighting. This is why we're giving our life. This is why we're sacrificing. Listen, you need to know that in the Christian walk. You need to know that it's not just about giving up things. The devil wants you to think that, oh, you just got to give up this and you got to give up that. And people out there in the world think, oh, you're crazy for being there because you can't do this and you can't do that. And and it's all about what you're giving up. Man, churches have done a disservice. Preachers have done a disservice by getting it in the people's mind. It's not about that. I have a purpose. I have a divine commission. I know why I am doing what I'm doing. I know why I'm standing here. I know why I give my time. I know why I sacrifice. We have a purpose. And it is found in the office that you hold. I'm not a pastor. You still have an office. I'm not a missionary. You still have an office. I'm not, I'm not a deacon. I'm not an evangelist. But you still have an office. The Bible says you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. You are a priest in the ministry of God. Do you realize, do you realize the nation of Israel at that point at Mount Sinai, God says, I want, what is a priest? It is a person that is a representative from God to the people. Y'all with me? Now don't get carried away. I don't want to see nobody coming here wearing collars next week. I need a witness. 
That's not the priest I'm talking about. A priest is a representative, a divine ambassador. We are representatives of God to the people out there. We are representing somebody bigger than what we are. Bless God, I came on business for the king. I'm not here doing my own work. I'm not do. Listen, I'm not doing my own thing. I am on business for the king. I have an office. I am a priest. I am a representative of God Almighty. He wanted the whole nation. He said, you will be a nation of priests. You will be a nation of people to, listen, represent me. But what about the Levites? That was when the nation of Israel backed away from God's original calling. They backed away and he said, okay, well, I will choose out. Listen, I will choose out the tribe of Levi. I will pull them out and they will be represented, just that tribe. But I'm glad when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said the veil in the temple ripped from the top to the bottom. Now everybody is a representative. It doesn't matter what tribe you're from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter who you are. You can go to the throne boldly and represent God to the people. You have an office. You have an office. I want you to see, A, I want you to see the privilege of this office. The privilege of this office. Listen, there are people that have come out the closet. And there are people that's run Christians in the closet. Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to back up. You don't need to slow down. You don't need to tuck your head between your legs. And listen, run like a dog. You need to stand up for what is right. It is a privilege. You are chosen by God. Now think about this privilege. Think about this privilege just a minute, Brother Kendry. This privilege, God went to a bunch of slaves. God went to a bunch of slaves who could not even help themselves. God went to a group of people who were in bondage, who were in slavery, who could not even fix their own situation. They could not get out of the trouble they were in. All they were were a bunch of slaves. And God brought them out. God brought them out on the eagle's wing. God delivered every single one of them. You say, what's that got to do with me? I I, I waited patiently on the Lord. And he inclined unto me. And he heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. How the miry clay. Preacher, what are you saying? I was just one of them old slaves that was slipping and sliding in the miry pit. I was one of them people who could not fix myself. I could not change my situation. I could not turn over a new leaf and get better. But God Almighty saw me in my condition. He looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. And he brought me up also out of that pit. I could not get to where he was so he came to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a privilege to be here. I'm privileged to be saved. This is a privilege to stand up for God. It's a privilege to say what a mighty God we serve. It's a privilege because, listen, when you were smoking dough, he had you on his mind. When you was out an alcoholic in Skid Row, he had you on his mind. And you did not come to him, he came to you. Give him praise and glory. It's a privilege You're a chosen generation. He didn't have to. Remember when you was getting picked for the ball teams? And everybody, well, I pick him. I pick him. See, you big gorillas, you always had it easy. You always got picked. But I was little. I was begging to be picked. I want to play ball. Pick me. Amen. Remember how you felt when you was picked first? God picked you. Amen. 
He didn't have to. He didn't have to. But you're chosen. God says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. It's a privilege. Do you see the office you hold as a privilege? As a privilege. I want you to see. Boy, that's good, ain't it? Hallelujah. I may even try some guacamole. Amen. Listen, I want you to see the privilege of this office. But then I want you to see the priority of this office. The priority of this office. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. So where do you get that? The Bible says we're not only a chosen generation. Here's the privilege. But we are a royal priesthood. There's a priority. Now then, 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, you be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is one who goes into a foreign country and is a representative of the highest power from the country he is from. Preacher, what he's saying? My citizenship is in heaven. Are y'all with me? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And I just happen to be a representative of the highest power of the country that I'm from. You say, what country are you from? I am from a country who paves their streets with gold. I am from a country whose walls are jasper and whose gates are pearl. I am from a country who has a tree of life. I am from a country who has a clear river of water. Listen, I am from a country whose throne room is right in the middle and there's no need for lightage. There's no need for the sun nor moon nor stars because the power that I represent, he glorifies the whole place and he shines through the whole. Say amen. I'm a representative of that country. Listen, I'm just here to tell you that the represent, listen, the one that I am representing wants you to be a member and a citizen of his country. Amen. You know what I found out? Oh, this is cool. This is cool. Listen, when an ambassador, when an ambassador is in a foreign country and things get too hot in that country, when things get too difficult in that country, when things get too dangerous uh, for that, that ambassador to make it, do you realize that the power from the country he represents will send in an air lift to lift him out? Preacher, what are you saying? It's getting awful hot around here. It's getting rough around this world we're living in. It's getting difficult to live. Man, they're fighting over there in Israel. It's all rough here and there. But I'm here to tell you, before it gets too bad, before it gets too rough, before it gets so difficult, we can't make it. The trumpet shall sound, and we will be airlifted out of here. But I have a priority. And see, this is where we mess up. Because we don't understand the office that we hold. Now I love this in here. And I can do it till I'm hoarse. And I'm going to. But do you realize our priority is not in this building? Do you realize 
the office that we hold and the purpose that we have, it's not in this building. I like getting in this building. I love being in this building. I love preaching and singing in this building. But do you realize the representation that we ought to do is outside these doors? Grab that, Brother Mickle. Do you realize out here is our purpose? And somebody's got a cool vet in the parking lot. Say amen. That looks like a staff vehicle. Amen. Do you realize the problem that we have is we're too stuck in here? The only representing we're doing is in this building and in this room. Now, I love all of y'all, most of you. But listen, this is not what God called us to do. I've never preached from back here before, amen. Bless God, I'm going to get these back row Baptists. Hallelujah. Listen, out there. That's where God called us to be. Go ye into all the world. Ain't that what it says, Tony? All the world. We're supposed to be out there. We can't become a club. We can't become a club where we're, all right, this is, this is what we do. This is what we are. This is how we, if you want us, you want to be a part of our club, then that's not biblical. See, God has started God has started from the very beginning of time his plan of redemption. He's wanted to redeem. Have you noticed? Look through the Bible, all through the Old Testament, into the New Testament. It was a plan to rescue people. It was a plan to deliver people. He called prophets. He called priests. He called men of God to go tell them to rescue people. Man, I love people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people and he's called us to get in on the deal. Now, I ask you a question. How much of what we're doing is affecting that out there? That's what I said. How much of that out there is seeing us in amongst them? Well, I tell you what I tell you. I believe in the church. I don't believe we need... No. The Bible says that Jesus hung out so much with them, they called him a wine-bibber. He's all in the middle of them. Preacher, what are you saying? I believe God is showing us the next dimension of Temple Baptist Church. Get ready. God's calling us to get out there. How do we get out there? There's a bunch of stuff out there. Nursing homes. Jails. Hello? Did I lose you? Is this thing working? Amen? Homeless shelters. Aren't we supposed to feed the hungry? Something to think about. What if all our small groups... What if all our small groups was responsible for their own mission? I mean, their own thing they did in the community. You know, we're kind of hypocrites. I know it. I didn't like it to hear it either. But, but when I seen it, you know, Brother Kendrick, if we'll send $5 billion across to Africa and we won't reach across the street, then we're hypocrites. 
He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is Acts 1-8, by the way. You think I'm fibbing? Acts 1-8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnessing me in Jerusalem. That was where they were. Do you know what? If, if churches are bragging about how many missionaries they got out there, do you realize the light that shines the farthest needs to be the brightest at home? Maybe that's why we're so frustrated. Maybe that's why when we come to church, we're not getting everything. I mean, we like it and we enjoy it, but there's still there's just something missing. It might be that we've not found our purpose. What's the purpose of Temple Baptist Church here in Coleman, right here on the corner of 157 and Campground Road? It's to reach this community. God didn't say, all y'all come on in. He said, all y'all go on out. Do you realize this is just a, a recoup and an encouraging part and, and fired up each other so we can go out there and do our thing? You know, our thing ain't done in here. It's out there. This is where we help each other, encourage each other, and fire one another to go out there and do our thing. Amen? Listen, you know where we'll find purpose? By realizing the office that we hold. What is that? It's about a divine representation. You are a priesthood. In other words, you are people who are representing a higher power to those out there. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You're just trying to get us to do work in the church. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. That's not where these guys led people to the Lord. So where do you want us to work? Right where you already are. In the homes. In the workplaces. In the marketplace. In the playgrounds. Are y'all with me? Let's take this out there. Church, say amen. Amen. Second thing. Second thing. We'll find purpose not only in the office that we hold. Say that with me. We'll find purpose in the the office that we hold. Do y'all realize you have an office? Israel here means yeah. (laughs) Do you realize you have an office? Is everybody with me? You have an office. You are a divine representative. I haven't been saved long. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You are a divine representative of a higher power. Listen, number two. We'll find purpose not only by realizing the office that we hold, but number two, by realizing the obligation that we have. The obligation that we have. Where do you find that? Verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Read the next three words. All right. All three of them. Amen. Everybody, read the next three words. Read it again. Do you realize should is an obligation? Should. You should. What should you do? The Bible says this. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to see the responsibility of your obligation. The responsibility of my obligation. Mark 5, verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. This is the demoniac. You remember the one who was a new dude in a rude mood? One running around the graves, naked, didn't have no clothes on. Listen, cutting himself 
mean as the devil, full of demons. And Jesus came by, and the Bible said he was seated, clothed, and in his right mind. What does that mean? If you're running around naked, you're out of your mind. And then what I said? You need to have some clothes on. Say amen. But the Bible says he came to him, and he wanted to be with him. He wanted to go with him. Man, if somebody ever done that for you, wouldn't you want to stay with him? He said, man, let me go with you. I want to be with you. But this is what God told him. Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. How many of y'all God's been good to? Come on now. How many of y'all God's been good to? Don't you need to tell somebody? The Bible says this, Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Matthew 5.14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Watch this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is that saying? I have a responsibility. I have an obligation. Why? Because God saved me. He saved me. He saved me. He satisfied me. He secured me. He delivered me from all my sin. He delivered me from all my fear. Now I have an obligation to go out and tell somebody the goodness of God. How will you let your light shine? We're supposed to let our light shine before men that they may see our... I don't want you to go buy a flashlight. I don't want you to go light a candle and sing Kumbaya. I don't want you to do that. I want you to go out and do good works in Jesus' name. Let's go wash cars for free. Man, that was a great amen. He said, you came to me when I was sick. You came to me when I was in prison. You gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. He said, when did we do this? He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know how we can shine our light? All of us decide to do something in our community. Right. Let's give clothes to somebody that needs it. Yeah. Some of y'all need a forklift to get in your closet. Dad, do I have a witness right there? <laughs> Katie, how long y'all been married? Hey, you had to think about that, didn't you? Amen. I do, I do. <clears throat> you're lying, you're lying. I want y'all to notice something. I, this, is, this has nothing to do with the message, but it just struck me. How long y'all been married? Eight years. Do y'all, see the, do y'all see the proximity? Eight years, and they're so close. Mom? <laughs> How, how, how long y'all been married? 39 years. Where's your husband? 
You know, they can sing that song. Time has made a change in us. Amen. <laughs> Tammy, see what we got to look forward to, baby? <laughs> what if we take what we have? We don't have much, but you got something? Anybody can wash a hubcap. Anybody can give out water. I got a good preacher friend of mine that's giving me some good ideas. Good ideas. Well, why do we need to do that? Because this community needs to see Jesus. You know, it's amazing. And I think all preachers think it's because they want the best, but sometimes we're so groomed into a mindset that we get it in our people's mind too that that we need to do something to get them to come here so whatever we do is always get around that and if we don't think that we can get them here we won't do it and that's why none of us will go out and hand out a bottle of water because we're not we're not going to get them so why but god didn't say god didn't say for us to build the church Y'all remember that? Yes, he did. He said, on this rock, I... Oh, he said he was going to build the church. On this rock, I will build my church. You know what he said for us to do? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy. Thy. Seek ye first the. You mean tell me we need to try to win people even if they don't come to temple? Do y'all see the change in mindset? We're supposed to go out and show good works so they will glorify our Father in heaven, not join the membership of Temple Baptist Church. Now, I would like for them to do that. And we're going to be here if they want to. But if we'll get our mindset on fulfilling our purpose. Is this clicking for anybody? My responsibility is not to put people in these pews. My responsibility is to pray for the kingdom. And seek the kingdom. And get people in the kingdom. This place is his problem. But my responsibility, my obligation is to show forth good works. I don't know how to preach. You don't have to. Can you hand them a bottle of water? Say, Jesus loves you. So do we. God bless you. That's in the Bible. We can do that, can't we? You know what? I read an illustration. I, I was reading a book this week, and I, I read an illustration. This missionary's wife, they went to, uh, and I'm, I'm done, I'm done, so don't shut nothing. I got one more point, so don't shut, but I'm, I'm pretty much done, so just, it's okay. You're getting nervous, I can tell. But this missionary's wife, her and a group of people went to, uh, ground zero at 9-11 like two months after two months after the deal and and they had to wear certain uniforms because it was still a, a state of emergency and blah 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 and, but they were going in and cleaning the apartments of people that were that were living in the apartments around it where their windows got blown out they said there was i can't even go into all that was in those apartments that blew out from those buildings and just you can only imagine well they were having to pay 
billions of, I mean, just unbelievable amounts of money to get people to come in. Well, they went in and was doing it for free. Well, they were from there, it was uh, the uh, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina Southern Baptist Convention uh, disaster team. And, uh, and, and they went in there, and they said they had grease all over. And, 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 but anywhere they went, anywhere they, they said, what are you doing? Because they had to wear certain uniforms to be, and badges to be able to get in and out. And they said, what are, you, what, what are you doing? Well, we're here to be a blessing and, and, and help. They said that every one of them, they would sit and listen to what they had to say. And they would be able to share with them, be able to share with them, hey, we're just, we're just Christians trying to love you through him. Jesus loves you, and he's loving you through us. And then he gave an illustration of when his daughters and the, and the same lady, their mama, went to New York. And, and, and they were, they were uh, uh, passing out. They were trying to start a, a little church there, and they were passing out flyers and, and, a, and, a, and a, a, a bottle of water with a flyer on it. But it was more like a marketing gimmick. That's the way they took it. And they wouldn't hear anything they had to say. But when somebody came just to love them, not to hook them or treat them like a prospect. Just love people. They would sit and listen to everything they had to say. You know what we have done? We've allowed a marketing, a marketing culture to invade the church, and it's turned the world off. You know what Jesus would do? He'd go touch the blind. He'd go give them food. Serve the largest, world's largest fish fry. Then he taught them about the bread of life. You know what I think God's going to do with Temple this year? He's going to turn us all into missionaries. So, I, I, But I came to find happiness. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, I came to find my purpose. Let me tell you again, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. If you are not representing the one that sent you, you'll never be happy. You know that, that verse that says it's more blessed to give than receive? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you've given to that person and they, you know good and well there ain't no blessed way they could ever pay you back and they got tears running off their face and they're almost embarrassed that you helped them and you're just bubbling over with joy because of what God allowed you to be able to do. Now listen, we can have that in this church. We're going to have that in this church. But you're going to find out. You're going, this, you want to really worship? You want to really worship? I'm talking about really have an awesome time when you come in here. It's going to depend on what we do out there. How many of you, how many of you have ever been working? Maybe I remember when I used to, Dad would, he was working in, a, in an orange grove putting in uh, irrigation pipe. Me and my brother would go work with him. Sunday would be hot. We worked 10 hours a day. Digging with shovels and that ball bearing saying, if you ain't never seen that, it, you just, it's a whole other story. But here we are working, and I mean, by the time you get home, you could eat the porcelain off of the plate for an appetizer. 
And man, when that food got there, they was it was the same food that we always ate, but there was just something different. Man, it tasted so good. I mean, it just, wow. And there was a day you laid around all day, didn't really do nothing, didn't accomplish anything, didn't. And then you go, well, same food. You know the difference in people that come here and they're just in, in God, enjoying God? It don't have nothing to do with how good they are or bad. It's how, what they're doing out there. We have an obligation. He says, ye ought to show forth the praises of him. That's the responsibility of my obligation. And last of all, the reason. The reason for my obligation. Verse 10. He says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let me give you this little, little illustration. And then we're burrito bound. Amen. And just a hint, too. This doesn't have anything to do with the message. When they say hot plate, believe them. Amen. I mean, when that thing comes out and them things are sizzling and there's a little bowl of butter sitting on there boiling... That ain't because it's got frostbite. Are y'all with me? Listen, do y'all remember the story in the Old Testament where the, 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 the walls have been, the, 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 the foreign enemy has come. This army was all around and the people were inside and, and they were starving to death because they were trying to starve them out. I mean, they, would, they, they, were, they had even got to the point they were eating their children. There was these lepers on the outside of the wall. Because, see, they, they couldn't go in there with the, with the people because a leper was an outcast. And all this army was on the outside. And them lepers got together and said, you know what? Let's go see if they'll give us something to eat. They're the enemy. I mean, what, what more can they? We're going to starve if we stay here. And they said, all right. Well, they went down to the camp and found that God had done run them all off. And they'd left all the stuff. They'd left all the food. They'd left all the spoils. They'd left all the tents. They'd left everything. And you know what starving people do, son? They went to eat. Woo-hoo-hoo! Look at here. Man, this is a buffet. I mean, God. and then they stopped. Wait a minute. This ain't right. This ain't right what we're doing. We got to go back and tell them. We got to go back and tell them. You know what they did? The point is this. They found relief. They found deliverance. Church, we can't come in here every Sunday and say, Woo-hoo! No, that ain't right. We got to go tell them what we found. You know Why? Brother Bates, you used to be out there. Donnie, you used to be the drunk out there. Johnny, this ain't right. It's good what we get to eat in here. It's good what we get to have in here. But if we hoard it all up and don't take it out there, that ain't right. 
that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want to read you this poem, and, and then we're going to, we're going to dismiss. Y'all know we only got one time around. How many of y'all know that? P.H. Harden wrote this poem, One Life, Only One Life. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Let me say, thy will be done. When at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all." Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. All of our accomplishments on this earth, all the things we buy, all the things we consume, will be gone. Only what we do for God will last for eternity. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around.